If I died, would you come to the service as well as the reception or will you just swing by for the reception? Because I want to go on record now by saying I demand that you attend both the service and the reception. Should I say when I die? I think if I think it's a certainty for me and you. I want you to be at that service, folks. You're not just going to swing by. I want you to take a full day off from work. I want you to use a personal day. You're not going to come by the reception during your lunch hour. I need you to burn a personal day on my funeral. Then and only then will I feel that you've shown me the respect that I deserve, that my life deserves. Welcome to the podcast. It is Sunday, October 7th, 2018. Looks like it's going to be a nice day. Um, that's the deal. See, when people die, sometimes you start thinking, mm, did I really know this person that well? Did I know them enough to go to the service or just the reception? Was, was my friendship with them more or less a reception funeral type of friendship? You're thinking, yeah, I knew them not good in high school, but we did kind of lose touch. I don't, think, I don't think they'll expect me to be there. I do expect you to be at my service. And I'm saying this publicly and on record. I'm only kidding. You don't have to come. Don't burn a personal day on me. Maybe a sick day. Maybe a half sick day, but not a personal day. How's it going? Hope you're well. I watched the fight last night. Conor McGregor had some some of the neighborhood dudes over. It was fight night at Smith's house. And uh, boy, it was an entertaining package put on by the UFC. My first MMA experience, I'd say. Uh, and I'll be back. It was uh, thrilling. Not only the main event, but the undercard. And then afterward, the, the melee, melee that ensued which I don't go in for that stuff too much, this post-fight brawling. For me, it is just scripted chaos, isn't it? Isn't it this what we've come to expect out of boxing and MMA, the post-fight pandemonium? Can it be pandemonium if we expect it? Can it be shocking when we know it's going to happen? But on the whole, a thrilling night. That is brutal, though, that MMA stuff, man. If somebody gets in a bad position, the other dude can just start wailing on him. And this was a, I, on the verge of being off-putting in my mind because oh, you can just see. Speaking from someone who was concussed, I could see the concussions happening. It was brutal, man. But those fights, they can turn on a dime, which makes it thrilling, too. You make one wrong move, and your opponent can spin your momentum, and uh, you can't look away, basically. I feel like MMA is probably starting to surpass boxing in terms of popularity, and probably rightly so. Boxing has not really put out a good product, save for a couple big fights, uh, over the past decade, it's been waning in popularity. 
boxing and horse racing. I see the two together. Pre-World War II, 1920s, when they saw their heyday. Both seem to be dying. And it seems that MMA is going to replace this boxing. And a night like last night, you know, I can see why. Thrilling. Box, I think boxing experienced this heyday, for me anyway, and you boxing fans might disagree, probably in the 1980s. I would say it was the golden era of boxing, the Mike Tyson era. That dude, do you remember getting pay-per-view Tyson fights? Which was a big deal back then in 1988. Just the, the concept of pay-per-view in general. It's working. It's what we have it. It's working. Technology was scattershot at best. But those Tyson fights, they were electric. You never knew what was going to happen. Would he demolish someone? Would a gentleman in a homemade fan land in the ring? Would Tyson bite someone's ear off? You did not know. That did not feel like scripted chaos. That felt like true rage and insanity. And the way he would just psychologically intimidate an opponent. Tyson would win before he even stepped in the ring. You could see the fear in his opponent's eyes. And he backed it up. Man, those fights were thrilling. We'll see if MMA reaches the level of 1980s boxing. But, you know, McGregor, man. You know I like McGregor. If you listen to the podcast, you know I try to get a haircut like McGregor. I study his suits. I want a really tight suit like McGregor, one that I can't even teach him, that I can't even work the smart board because I can't lift my arms over my head because my suit is so tailored. He's such a cool dude. But he went down. Fought well, but went down. Get another haircut like McGregor. I think I want cauliflower ear too like McGregor. Can I get that? If I went to a plastic surgeon and said, I want you to give me cauliflower ear, would they? Would that be the first request ever? Because I don't want to fight anyone or grapple with anyone. I just want my ears to look like that. Son, we're not going to do your request for cauliflower ear. That's insane. Go to the doctor. Get that. Someone's phone is whistling. People are in the podcast. Uh, home office right now. Um, I went to a doctor a couple times uh, a few years ago. So my family started to, it was the e, uh, the urgent care. And uh, I had a couple mishaps within the span of like a month. And they, my family was joking me saying that my primary doctor is uh, urgent care. Please list your primary doctor. Uh, urgent care. Okay. And how long has, have you not felt well? Uh, about three minutes now. I have not felt well in three minutes. Well, we got into fighting last night with the MMA, and uh, a couple neighbors have listened to my podcast and said, hey, you brought up your fight record of 3-1-1. One, and one. I said, yeah, I did. Uh, and another neighbor divulged his fight record. It was 2-4. and 2-4. and four. But in his defense, and I do like this, he said, yeah, bro, but I always fought like bigger dudes. <laughs> and so, like, uh, that's a respectable record because he fought out of his weight class. 
He's middleweight, but he fought heavyweight. And, you know, I can respect that. And then some people didn't divulge their fight record at all. Which makes me believe that this topic is so burned into our Freudian years. It's like a thing we still don't like to think about if you have a shoddy fight record, whereas I do not. Uh, it's It will be a deathbed thing. The one that got away, the fight record, the things you'll grapple with for the rest of your life as you try to figure out who you are. Two and four, but he fought out of his weight class. And then someone contacted me about my discussion of your fight record, and they said uh, that they'd never been in a fight. A guy uh, who, who told me that he's never been in a fight. And uh, I found that shocking. I thought every American boy has been in at least one schoolyard dust-up. I thought that was just the Americana experience, a schoolyard dust-up. Not the case. I got to say you're missing something if you haven't grappled with who you are physically in a fight. It's a, it's a piece of your puzzle that perhaps you've never considered. So go out there and fight someone. Resolve that issue. Yeah, you at least have to have a record, even if it's two and four. <laughs> oh, there's, it was, um, but it was a good party. I think I threw a good party. I have a, uh, a ping pong table in my basement, and uh, so I'm the ping pong house. Each of us, uh, the gentlemen neighbors, uh, we all have our uh, suburban parlor game. Each of our basements features a different one. One guy's got the pool table, another one the poker set up, and I'm ping pong. I'm the ping pong house. And I was wondering, I was like, you know, maybe I should try to like, you know, get something else. And I was like, you know what, just stay on brand. Just stick with ping pong. That's your brand. And uh, played a lot of ping pong last night too while watching MMA fights. So it was something. It was something. What's your parlor game? I'm a big darts guy, too. Big darts guy. Hand-eye, baby. There's so much to talk about in the world today, and yet so much of it I feel like I should not talk about. I am constantly living this world in which I am walking a tightrope between my private life and my public life. When I publish horror novels with gruesome scenes, when I when I write, when I talk, when I podcast, where does public Brian end and private Brian begin? What am I responsible for? And, uh, you know, what can I say? Because I have a whole group of jokes on my phone that I can never say. These jokes are not racist, they're not misogynistic, they're, and you know my heart, you know I am not that way. They're just observations, and yet the times we live in, one must be so careful as to what one says, or does one. I will say this, well, obviously the topic of women and women and men have been in politics this week, this month, this year, and uh, I won't address that directly, but I will speak to my own experiences. 
because that's why you come here, for the hard truths, the unsayable things. So two things on my mind. Number one is in male and female relationships, you know I am the pathologist of the suburban house party. It's where I do my best work. And you, who have also, I'm sure, been to many uh, suburban house parties, perhaps, or perhaps not. I don't know your demographic. Uh, let me ask you this. The parties that you attend, are the men and women separated at these parties? Are they segregated? Do the men cloister themselves in the basement around college football whilst the women upstairs gossip? Or do your parties function in a more free-form flowing sort of way? I've attended both, I gotta say. It's interesting, though. Do the boys and girls sit together? <laughs> when I've been in uh, separate parties, like two Japanese fighting fish separated by a pane of glass, I break that glass, folks. I will saunter up into the kitchen and discuss life with the ladies. I like to have a conversation with the ladies because I enjoy all people. And the ladies are equally well-rounded, funny, interesting, and add to the total color wheel of a party. But I know some that do not cross these borders. That women should come down, serve the food, and get out of the way of the football game. So that is uh, just one observation on what things look like uh, gender-wise out here in the far reaches of the third ring suburbs. The other thing that is even darker and maybe more unsayable, but I'm going to say it, I live around and know, and it is somewhat common practice for a male in Bucks County to have a Russian mail order bride. What? Do you know friends with Russian mail order brides? Are you a Russian mail order bride? Again, don't crucify me. I am just stating facts. Can I say this? What, how does this happen? Men, I, well, I'm talking to you now. At what point in your dating life do you think this isn't going to work out? I'm going to buy me a bride. What's the, what's the date that breaks you? That says, you know what? I'm going to take a different spin on this. Folks, I know a number of mail-order brides living in Bucks County. And I've never, I've never quite gotten an answer as to why this is happening, how this is happening. So that is observation number two about men and women. Write me if you have answers to this. Uh, because I am just flabbergasted. I didn't even know this... Wow, I won't. 
See, you got to walk that tightrope of decency. Um, so that was the party. That's what's going on in, in politics and the world today. Um, I don't know. Got a, got a coffee from Starbucks here. She's, the woman was very aggressive that I didn't have my giant card on. Do you have your card? She was like visibly annoyed. I will never give you the satisfaction of showing you my giant card. Okay? I'm punk rock. I don't have a bonus card. Get it? Leave me alone. Um, so other things, listen to some sports talk radio this morning. I think the worst radio of all, and this is nationally, not just Philly wise, is Sunday morning sports talk radio. I listen to a lot of talk radio, but, uh, something about Sunday morning sports talk radio is just so unentertaining. There is always, uh... The host in Philly, his name is Sonny Hill, and he discusses basketball from the 1950s and 60s. And I got to tell you, it is such a snooze fest. It is. It feels like church. It feels like church uh, in the worst sense, in the most boring, oh my goodness, when is church going to be over sense. Uh, I don't know how Sonny Hill retains his, his listenership. Yeah, I know what it is. It's a bunch of old heads that, you know, it stirs memories for them. Let me discuss the time when I went to over, uh, Overbrook High School and played and met Wilt Chamberlain. Like these are the types of stories, or the stories about the um, Harlem Globetrotters. And uh, it, the highlight of the show is occasionally Dr. J will call in. Uh, I know I'm losing a lot of you here, folks. These are very niche type of Philadelphia basketball players from the '60s, '70s, and '80s. And, uh, but I've talked, I've spoken with a friend talking, mercy. I've spoken with a friend from New York and he said that Sunday morning sports talk radio in New York is the same sort of format. It's not contemporary sports. It's a reflective sort of program in which people discuss sports of years past. So in New York, maybe it would be long exposés on Mickey Mantle. Or Ted Williams. Is Ted Williams a Yankee or a Red Sox? I think he was a Yankee. No, I think he was a Red Sox. Anyway, so that's uh, it's like Sunday morning sports talk has a religious bent to it. It's very quiet. There's hardly any callers, and then when the callers do call up, they're like 80 years old. They're like, I'm I'm listening to you, you know, while I'm on dialysis, and it's. Uh, I'm not making fun, you know, I'll be on dialysis soon enough, so I'm not making fun of the elderly. I'm just saying everyone, before they make their sports point, sort of airs their uh, medical grievance. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the game last night. I did have to keep my foot elevated because of my gout. Sunday morning sports talk is the absolute worst, and yet I listen to it. I know so much about 1950s Philadelphia basketball. I'm like a, I'm a wealth of knowledge about that topic. Sunny Hill. That's got to be the low, the, the worst time slot 
to be a sports talk host. Even people that are in the sports, like, I don't feel like talking about Sunday morning. By noon, you're jacked up about football, and then you want to start talking sports, but Sunday morning, nobody's quite into it. Sometimes they'll give financial advice, too. Should I get take my financial advice from a sports talk host? I don't know. I think I will. Here's my issue with finances. We, uh, we quarterly, my wife and I sit down, re- discuss and review the finances. We're doing fine, folks. Okay, we're doing fine. Um, but sometimes, you know, you, you, wear, you wonder, hey, where am I wasting money? I know I'm wasting money somewhere, but where is it? So, uh, you know, we reviewed the budget and we occasionally have splurges where we do fun things and we also go into recessions in which we say, you know what, let's stop spending money a little bit, you know? We have, um, for lack of a better word, budget cuts in the Smith household. Budget cuts, Francis household. Uh, But here's the issue, folks. And this is a beef I have with my wife. Whenever the budget cuts occur... It's always my programs that are affected. These are the first places uh, she goes when it's time to trim the budget. My program. I feel like, you know, there should be an equal distribution of cuts along all family members. You don't go straight to my programs. So this this is fall. The budget cuts. Don't cut my programs. I want one out. I want to uh, do no harm. Libertarian. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but sports talk radio is brutal. Here's the thing with sports talk radio too. Like I love listening to the hosts and the various analysis of the game and the humor and even when things digress. What I don't like, ironically, is an actual interview with a person that plays sports. If you actually played the game, I probably am not that interested in what you have to say about it. Reason being, I mean, isn't every single sports interview from the beginning of time the same exact interview? Yeah, we just had to step up and, you know, I got to thank my teammates and, you know, a good coach came up with a good plan, step up and, you know, we could take tip my hat off, take it off to tip the hat off and step up and shut up. Shut up. I've never gained one insight from listening to a player discuss a game. Now, that doesn't mean that former athletes cannot make great radio hosts, because a couple in Philly uh, are former players, and they turn out to be good radio hosts. But for whatever reason, as soon as they have an analysis of, nine, we'll say 99% of athletes that are interviewed, I'm changing the channel. Occasionally, you will come across a charismatic player that has a new take on things. But it's like me. You're playing for a coach. You're unallowed to say anything scandalous. Your private life and public life. You're paralyzed by your employer to truly express yourself. This is where we are. I went downstairs and I was putting away my uh, some some clothes, swimsuits actually, because I don't think I'm going to go swimming anytime soon. And uh, I found in the storage area 
my shorts. About eight nice pairs of shorts that I didn't know were there, and I didn't get to wear them the entire summer. I want a redo. I want a summer redo. I felt like around August, I was like, man, I'm wearing these shorts again? Where are my other shorts? And I blew it. I blew it. They sat there the entire, they must have been sitting there like, hello, it's summer. Don't you want us? I'm going to wear every pair this week. I don't care what the temperature is. I got shorts the other day for running. These like, uh, you know, sport-based moisture wicking in Alaska sort of thing. And uh, got them home, put them on, ready to go for a run. They don't have pockets. I'm like, why? Why would you make a short without pockets? Who do you think I am? A person that doesn't need pockets? Because I do. It was, it was devastating. I just ripped the tag off too. <sighs> ripped the tag off, went to put my hand in the pocket. Nothing. I was like, oh. You know, you search around a little bit. You're like, this can't, what is happening? This can't be right. I must be missing the folds somewhere. But no, nothing. No pockets. Still doing the diet thing, folks. Down about 12 pounds. Keto diet, all meat all the time. Also running, preparing for that 5K. Uh, around seven miles yesterday. Seven Miles. I don't know how many kilometers that is. Probably more. Uh, and, uh, you know, I feel like at this stage I should just write the diet book. I like to just like, you know, the three-day dieter. That's what I would call it. I've been doing this diet for three days now, and here is my advice book to you. In central Pennsylvania, when I live there, I would be in awesome shape right now. I would be, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that. The thing about central Pennsylvania is, and I do miss living out there, uh, one thing is there are a lot of, for whatever reason, wild bird centers in central Pennsylvania, in the strip malls. I've never seen more stores dedicated to parakeets. Um, I can't think of another bird right now. McAdoo, is that a bird? Anyway, for whatever reason, central Pennsylvania and birds just go hand in hand in my mind. <sighs> Went to a football game, the other uh, high school football last weekend. What I like to do around the third quarter when I get antsy is I go for a walk, uh, and I like to walk to the other side of the stadium and see the other people sitting in the stands from the other team. It's it's uh, my see how the other half lives walk. And they always seem so strange and foreign to me. I always think, like, what are these people doing here? I wonder what their lives are like. The other half walk. Do that if you're at a game. Circumnavigate the field once to get the full perspective. <sighs> but school is back. Why do schools collect these box tops? Do you, have, do you have a school that does this? Do your kids need box tops or people collecting? But what? What is it? Why are we praising our children for eating processed foods? Look, Mom, I ate 12 boxes of Kraft mac and cheese. The extra orange kind. Okay. Okay, Timmy. 
you've earned enough box tops now to go to the Franklin Institute field trip. I don't think we should be rewarding our children for eating processed foods. What's next? Okay, kids, if your parents smoke enough Marlboros and you get the Marlboro Miles, we can go to Hershey Park. Make sure your parents are smoking up, though. Marlboro Miles. Do you remember this? I remember people, like, cashing in their Marlboro Miles and, like, getting a jacket or something. And I would just think, like, you know, you're wearing that jacket, but you'd look like you're going to die. Anyone that's wearing a Marlboro jacket, it's just not a healthy look. I think I'm going to get a Marlboro Marlboro. I have trouble saying that word. Marlboro jacket. Perhaps that will be my Christmas request. Although I'm a victim of the budget cuts. I want a Marlboro jacket. Kids, get those miles in. Box tops and Marlboro miles. That's how all classes should function. Philosophical question. America's funniest home videos. Why does the stupidest video always win? Why? I have an uncanny ability now to detect the winning video while I'm watching it. First time through, I'm like, this is the one that's going to win. And you know why? Because it's the longest and it's the least funny. Those are the two criteria one needs to win America's Funniest Home Video. Make sure it's not amusing, and on top of that, make sure it goes on a little too long. I was thinking, though, like the iPhone has must have revolutionized America's Funniest Home Videos because now everything is recorded. There's so much more fodder to use on that show. That's the one program that my entire family can sit down and watch. We find common ground in America's Funniest Home Video. We can all guffaw at a person slipping in the bowling alley <laughs> or falling at a wedding. We all can agree that this is amusing. It's not political. It's not. <laughs> it's just it's just quality entertainment, except for the winning video, which is a waste of my time. There is, was a store that opened up not too far from here by the name of Gander Mountain. Gander Mountain, G-A-N-D-E-R. And this store was almost a year in the making. They remodeled the previous building in which it was going to occupy. They put a, a, an entire elaborate uh, facade that gave it a rugged and outdoorsy look. The marketing and the, the color scheme were very pronounced. They rearranged uh, almost the entire layout of the strip mall to accommodate this giant, this leviathan, of Gander Mountain. 
grand opening was billed months in advance, flyers, internet presence, everything. The opening occurred, and then one week later, a sign was on the front of Gander Mountain, going out of business. What? <laughs> what? It was only open for like a week, and then it folded. What happened to Gander Mountain, folks? I need you, if you live in the area, please tell me. What disastrous planning occurred that Gander Mountain folded within one week of opening? Do you know any businesses or restaurants? This happens to restaurants, I feel like, a lot as well, or bars, that flopped like in an absurdly short time. There was a microbrewery in Jenkintown that I believe flopped in about a week. They could not brew beer they just they threw their hands up and we're like we don't know how to do it we thought we could but we don't know how uh i, I would i would give them advice i'd be like you know what try it at home first before you make a major real estate purchase try to brew some beer at home see if you like it you know don't don't commit too much that's the thing with committing though Whatever you own, owns you, right? My kids are like, why don't we have a shore house? We should have a shore house. First of all, I'm like, you entitled, unbelievably ungrateful children. Second of all, like, yeah, I don't know. To own a shore house, you own it. It owns you. It owns the time that you need to pay for it. It owns the work that you must do for the upkeep, my children. Because they hang out in McMansions here in Bucks County, and they're like, we're we poor. I'm like, we're not poor. It's just budget cuts. <laughs> Ungrateful. <sighs> no more Gander Mountain. Saw the last blockbuster closed as well. That's a shame. End of an era. It was in Alaska, the last blockbuster. I don't know why that sticks in my mind, but it feels like the last blockbuster should have been located in Alaska. That feels right. A final note on my children and ingratitude. Do you get this when you go to pick them up at a friend's house? They're never ready. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, it's just I need to find my shoes. And sometimes I don't feel like small talking with the uh, with the parents. I'm a fairly jovial gentleman, but sometimes I don't feel like small talk. And you got to sit in this foyer and wait for your kid to collect their shoes, and you're doing this song and dance tap dance routine, and you just want to get out of there. Get your shoes. We give you this phone so you can be prepared. So I can text you and say, I'm going to be there in five minutes. Just come outside. But when I text or call this older child of mine, she doesn't answer. These phones are are in their hands all the time, and yet from me, no answer. And I got, I got, oh my goodness! Now I got to go in. Now I got to knock and fetch this child. Sometimes I don't feel like doing the little foyer thing. I just want to lock and load, baby. Answer your phone. 
feel like I'm coming across. I feel like I'm shouting a lot this episode. I feel fine. Happy, even. Um, all right. I think that's it. Thanks for joining me. Um, have a great day. Bye-bye.